All right. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm going to begin every podcast I do with that simple message. Thank you for listening. The reason I'm going to do that is because the whole purpose of this is to spread awareness for athletes' mental health. Um, and obviously, I can't spread the awareness by myself. I can do this. I can do my best at you know marketing it and getting it to my friends and my family and the people on my social but the most important part is that people listen um, and take away the messages that come from this. And so thank you so much for tuning in. Um, just a little update on last week and what happened after last week's podcast with Brooke. 400 of you listened and um, viewed the podcast and that blew me away. I mean, that's 400 people that can potentially be changed or that can change um, the lives of one of their friends that of one of their friends that are listening. It can change somebody who's listening that struggles. And it's it's just an opportunity, like I said, to spread awareness. Um, so uh, that's amazing, it blew me away. Some exciting stuff um, that you know progressed last week and that I was able to do last week to spread this further. Um, we are now on Apple and Spotify, two of the bigger podcast sites or hosting sites or platforms. Um, I'll put the link in the descriptions. You can also find the links um, on any of my social media posts about this. We launched our own website. Um, I'll put the link to that permanently in my Instagram bio. So anybody who wants to go to the website and needs the link can just go through my Instagram. That is at PJ LaBarbera, L-A-B-A-R-B-E-R-A. -A -A. Um, my Instagram is now public, so you don't have to follow me to keep up with the, with the website. Uh, that means you don't have to follow me and see all my ugly mug all over your feed, um, but you can still you can still subscribe to the podcast through that. Um, today's topic is something that's very important to me specifically. It's depression and performance-based acceptance. Um, I think in one way or another, performance-based acceptance is going to come up almost every week just because I feel like that is very prevalent um, in athletes. Uh, especially when you know your whole job relies on performance and success in performance. Um, I'm bringing on one of my good friends, Demarte. He went on a similar path as me. We both played at Valley Christian High School in San Jose, California. He went on to a D3 football school in Wheaton College. I went on to Pomona College. Um, and the reason I'm bringing on Demarte, not only because he's my friend, but he wrote one of the more meaningful blogs, I believe, for the Original Speak blog last summer. Um, he's very, very aware of what he struggled with and what he struggles with um, and is very open about talking about it. And it wasn't always that way. So I'm very, very excited to bring him on and talk about you know, what he went through and his story and struggle and triumph. So without further ado, I'm going to bring him on and we'll get this thing started. All right. Um, and we're live. Demarte, thank you so much for joining me, man. Um, I really, really appreciate it. No, man, I'm totally grateful to be here again. As you know, and what you're doing with this company, we are all platforms in which how we live our lives through athletics. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so just to introduce you really quick, Demarte, again, you wrote a blog for me. Last summer, I believe it was one of the more meaningful blogs we got just because of how um, in tune you are with what you went through. Um, you opened up that blog with 
a quote, um, I am DeMarte and I struggle with depression and performance-based acceptance. Um, and that was really powerful and I think really important for you to start it that way. So what motivated you to like just begin it with getting it all out there? What benefit do you think that has? I mean, over time, it was not always like that. I think I often hit it and being athletes, you're able to mask it with practice and achievements and all those things. But over time, I think as you grow and mature, you realize that we are all broken individuals. And the more you try to hide it and fake it to make it, the more sad and, and unhappy you actually are on the inside. So I think the best way you can do things in life is just owning who you are at your core and taking those necessary steps to improve about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I want to start off by talking about something that we've both really struggled with. I mean, I know I have, and based off your blog, I know that you have, um, it's this need, need to succeed and to be yeah. successful. And for you, that began pretty early on, right? Like around fourth grade, I think you said in your blog, can you take us through where that, where that spawns from and how that shaped what you did in life after that? Yeah, totally. Um, and, I, and I'll be blunt and transparent. Um, I grew up in a divorce home. My parents got divorced when I was in, going into the fourth grade. And as my parents started to split up, I kind of, my parents didn't get along as well. And my, and my parents kind of split really. Um, and I always felt like I was lacking that father figure in my life. And I felt like at that point, the one way to get his attention was to be in a good, as good as an athlete as I was. So I devoted all my time, all my attention to it, literally, it was, I ate, I slept, I breathed it. It controlled my emotions, my ups and downs. If I was doing great, it was because athletics was great. If I was sad, I was in my room sad because I'd lost a game. So that's just kind of where I, I got developed that performance-based acceptance was, I'm going to make my father love me by how good I am as an athlete. And often it failed, but I kept going back to that well, hoping that I'd find water there when it was really empty. Yeah. And I think that's, God, that, I mean, for people that grow up playing sports, I think that's really a theme because when you're that young and you're playing a sport and it's that competitive thing and it's the only competitive thing in your life, right? Like school Yeah. at that age, it's, it's like, you don't, it doesn't really matter, but like going and playing a basketball game or a football game, there's concrete results from that. You either win or you lose. You either are good or you're not. And I think for young people, that's, I mean, that's tough. Like that shapes you. Um, yeah, I totally would agree. I mean, you got to think about it being at grade school. He was the king of the tetherball court. He was the king of Foursquare. Nobody cares about school. I mean, we're all, we all care about who's the best athlete. Is it? In our society, it's often glorified as the guy who's the most athletic, the guy who's the most talented, and whatever he does is the one who gets the praise versus the average show never gets anything. Yeah, and praise. I mean, that's what athletes thrive off a lot of times. I know I did. Um, but then, you know, there's, there's negative parts of athletics. You lose, you have a bad game, et cetera, et cetera. Totally. Um, yeah. In your, in your blog, you spoke on, you know, after some of these things would happen, these failures, um, you'd have negative emotions about it, but rather than expressing it, um, same thing I did, you, you kind of, you built up not a wall and then kind of threw your emotions behind that wall. You, you would describe it as a box in your blog. Mm -hmm. Um, why, why do you think you, can you, first of all, talk about, you know, what that was like, but then why do you think you did that? Do you even know why looking back on it, you, you felt like you had to do that? Yeah. I mean, we can, we'll talk about it more later as we get into it, but there's yeah. this guy named John Ashley Knoll 
who had a tremendous impact in my life. Um, motivational speaker, used to be a chaplain for a lot of Olympics teams. But one thing he always told me that always hit the core that I, as I reflect on now is every victory is short-lived, but every failure seems like forever. And I think in that moment, you're, you're, it's almost like an addiction in which you're chasing this high of winning and, and being successful in it. And when you don't win, you immediately look within yourself. And especially for me, it was like I didn't have my father. So I felt like something was wrong with me that I wasn't good enough to win. Like I was the issue. And the only thing I could do is no one would ever understand it and no one ever get it. So I need to go off into this rogue circle. And I mean, honestly, there are times and days where I would literally, if I had a bad practice or a bad game, I'd be gone for like an hour or two. I wouldn't be on my phone and I would honestly just be zoned out trying to figure out within myself what was wrong with me and, and why I wasn't good enough. So it, it, it was just a constant struggle of going back to the well, like I said, and, and drawing no water. And it honestly was like I, I felt like I could only fix me and that if I involved anyone else in it, it only showed that I was weak and that I couldn't mm. do it on my own. And I, and I think that comes with uh, the part of, of manhood, which is falsely portrayed in today's society. But just within ourselves, we have, we're so broken and we think that to be a man, it's, it, to be the most macho man is a guy that, that can go within himself, fix himself, when in reality, and through counseling and therapy and having conversations like this and opening up to PJ, is, is that's where the, the growth and the healing begins. And that's where you really turn the corners by, hey, like PJ, I'm, I'm really struggling with this depression. And yeah. I feel like I need someone to share this with. And having someone come alongside you and share that journey with you is when you begin true healing and actually true growth. Yeah, and, and that's, I mean, yeah, I couldn't have said it better. That's really important. And, it, and it's and it's brutal because I felt the exact same way. Um, looking back on, there's one prevalent moment. I spoke on this uh, a little bit in the last podcast I did with Brooke. Um, but there's one game that sticks out to me that like really made me understand that something was wrong. And it was in college. And it was, I mean, looking back <clears throat> on it, it was the worst game I ever played. And mm -hmm. at that point, I hadn't really understood that I had so much worth um, attached to the game and success and stuff. Um and in my head, I was good friends with my teammates because we were all good at football. Yeah. And then this game, after this game, I caught myself, you know, looking at everything my teammates said to me that could have been, that was just joking around. It was like ribs, like you do normally, but it was like, oh shit, like they think I'm lesser now. Like I'm not as good yeah. a friend of them now because I let them down on the field which is insane looking back on it because clearly that's not the basis of your friendships. But I know you spoke about it. Um, you were afraid of talking to your friends about it because you were worried about, you know, the judgment and you are DeMarte, the good football player. And that's why people liked you, but it's insane, right? Looking back yeah, on it, totally. that we felt that way. Yeah. That's so funny that you say that and kind of as you harp on it and as the game leaves you, I don't think, I mean, when you, when you're playing, you're thinking, like you said, your, your relationships are contingent on how you play. But as I've been done with college football and, and I've realized that football was only an instrument to build those relationships and the guys that I'm friends with now, we literally laugh and joke. And, and, and I didn't realize it then. I thought they loved me because I was DeMarte, the good player, good football player. But 
it was no Demarte was the good guy who worked really hard, who who loved well, who was dedicated to what he did. Those traits that came along with me were the the traits that they loved about me, not because Demarte put X amount of sacks and tackles up every week. So, and I think that's totally just similar to you, PJ. Like whenever you have a bad game, and whenever I had a bad game, I would go any joke that my friend said to me about this little thing, I would immediately shut down and go, oh, we're not friends anymore because he doesn't think I'm good enough yeah. to be on the team. And yeah. that's just where that insecurity builds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I feel like we went through a bunch of the same stuff. I mean, especially with injuries. I mean, you talk in your blog about your uh, knee injury. When did that happen? Freshman year of high school? I'd, I've had three knee surgeries. So freshman year of high school, junior year of high school, and junior year of college. So when those happen, yeah, I mean, yeah, two shoulders and ankle for me. So we're more similar than, <laughs> than we think. Yeah. So like injuries had a huge effect on me um, and my mental well-being. Do you want to talk really quick about kind of how that played into what we've been talking about, but also just your mental state as a whole when you were away from this game that defined you? Yeah, yeah, totally. And and I wasn't a believer at all, really, when we went to high school together. Um, yeah. I think I think I read my Bible. I did all those things. I kind of sang in chapel, but yeah, I started to notice that as time went on, and, and like I like you said, when those injuries happened and athletics was really taken away from me, it made me really look at myself in the mirror and ask, where does my value and my hope lie? Um, and, and those were some of the most depressing times in my life, in which I'm sure you can remember it. I will never forget it. My junior year um, in high school, I'm laying in bed fresh out of surgery, my knees on the machine. I can't even lift my legs because I have no quad strength. And I was like, God, if you're real, like I need you in this moment. I need to feel this hug because football was taken away from me. I didn't have a girlfriend. I felt like I wasn't worth anything to the team. And in that moment, I felt like this peace transcend me like never before. And it was just like, you are so loved beyond this game. And to have, and over the coming days and weeks to have guys literally like, push me in a wheelchair up the hill as you remember it and, and talk to me <laughs> long live the hill push me in a wheelchair and just be my friend and, and actually really care and dive into my life was one of the most transformational things and i think at that time and even in college as we lead into when i really became a believer like man i was so lost and i was so lonely Mm-hmm. And you knew me in high school as outgoing as I was, like on the inside, I was one of the loneliest people in the world because I felt I got to put on these masks of DeMarte, the good football player, DeMarte, the athlete, DeMarte, the funny guy, which all ties into a feeling like that's where my worth is. And that's who I am based off of is what I do on Friday nights versus that just not being true at all. Yeah. And that mask is something I think all of us who have struggled and who are afraid of not only what's going on in our own head, but how will be, uh, how will be perceived for, mm-hmm. you know, dealing or for going through this stuff. That's really something that we all do. We put on a mask. And I know when I was at my lowest after my grandfather's suicide, um, junior year. Yeah. Going to junior year. So same around the same time that you realized that you were depressed and that you were going through some stuff that preseason was one of the hardest things I've ever been through because you know people know me as x y you know I'm 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 not 
I'm usually very happy, especially on the football field. That's where like a lot of my happiness came from. And in practice, it was a lot of jokes and stuff usually, but I didn't want to ruin that or ruin my reputation through that. So when I was, you know, this grief stricken mess who left behind his whole support system and my family when I went back to school junior year and we had double days and, you know, you were with the team the whole day and you mm-hmm. had to put on this mask for 12 hours a day. I, yeah. I just reached this point of just like utter mental exhaustion. And that's when I finally realized that something was wrong and that something was broken inside of me. So for you, did you feel like you put on a mask during practice? And like, when did you finally in college realize that like, like something's wrong, you know? Oh yeah. I think similar to you, PJ, you echoed on it best is, and it's funny how you realized it after the fact, but actually trying to hide it for so long, it makes it worse. Uh, Trying to, to weigh it out in your head and, and I think for me, it was just, I was, and I'll tell this story more as we get into it, but I went on this mission trip. Every spring break, I always find it important to go on a mission trip and serve somebody for a week. Um, and I met this guy who was a cyclist. His name's Guy East. Um, and he was a cyclist on um, Lance Armstrong's team. He was supposed to be the next protege. A lot of people don't know about him because he struggled with performance-based acceptance. He literally was at the peak. He has photos of him with Lance Armstrong biking. He has everything he wants in the world, and he felt empty. And he was sad, and he was depressed. And he was like, I have this thing I can't cope with, but it took me so long to realize that I had to talk to people about it. And in an hour-long car ride with just me and him, I literally poured my heart out to this guy, which I never knew him prior to that week. It was just like that moment when I poured my heart out and I started crying, I was like, dude, you're messed up and you got to get help. You've, and it was funny because for that, those last 20 years, that moment was the happiest I had ever felt because I was finally able to get everything that was weighing on me off my chest. And that began that slow cycle of, of you're not going to get unwound easy. And I, I don't want it to shortchange it, neither what we have experienced or anyone who else is experiencing mental health illness. <laughs> It is not an overnight thing, and you're not always mm-hmm. going to be healed. I think especially as athletes, it's going to be a constant battle day in and day out. I mean, I see the same thing as I'm transitioning from football, and now I'm transitioning to relationships and work. Those habits and tendencies go away. I think we just learn how to cope and work with those in a healthy manner. Um, so, yeah, that's when I really knew. My junior year at college, I was like, I got to get help. I went on the missions trip. I came back a week and a half later, and I started seeing a therapist about my depression, my performance-based issues, and all those thoughts and things that were going through my mind. So on your missions trip, did you meet Dr. John Knoll or? No. So he gave, there's a video in which people could look up on Daily Motion or Vimo, one of the two, and he talks about performance-based acceptance. And, And John connected me with him. I said, I mean, excuse me, guy connected with him. I said, man, I need someone to talk to about this. Could you put me in contact with John? Mm -hmm. And John recently had been Olympic champion, I think for one of the speed skating teams or something like that and recently had left. So we we did phone conversations biweekly somewhere around that time. And that really helped you, huh? All the things that he had to say. I know you put a couple of his quotes in your 
in your uh, article that you wrote for me. Yeah, yeah. John was um, one of the most influential people that I'd come across in my life. Um, and he said some things that I'll just talk about and share quick thoughts on. As, yeah. as one, he said, for your body to perform at its best, you need to take concrete steps to strengthen your soul. And I think as athletes, that was probably one of the bigger quotes was, I can spend 12 hours running, lifting, working out, doing all these things. But if my mind and my heart is not fixed and I can't, and I got all these emotions going on inside of me, there's no way I can focus on the game and be the best at the game. And looking back on the years before I would go in the games so mentally distraught, or I would be so emotionally drained that I'd be like, ah, and it wouldn't even be fun to go to practice anymore because at practice I'm physically there, but my mind is, is racing about what's going on at home or what's wrong with me or maybe for you, what's, what's going on with my grandpa's suicide? Why did this happen? All these things. So that was one of the bigger things that really impacted me and as well as numbness is not peace. It's just emptiness. Nothing will ever fill the void except for a real relationship. And that was big for me too is just as I went on my journey through this counseling and therapy, true healing and growth again happened and this battle with mental illness grows when you you're able to share with guys like pj or hey friend like i'm really struggling right now mentally like i'm just not myself i'm really sad like let's talk about it and that's where i believe is the big fallacy is in mental health it's seen as a weakness today versus some of the strongest people i know the people that can go hey i really struggle with depression it's something i'm working on i'm asking people to come alongside me and, and on that journey with me in life yeah and that was the craziest thing for me um is you know when i was really struggling and when i finally hit that moment where i was like i need to do something about this my first step was just getting it out there because Mm -hmm. for me the thing that was making it worse is i was i would get back to my room and i'd be exhausted from putting on this face all day and not really facing what i was actually going through that then when I went back to my room and just to get rest for the next practice day or the next workout or whatever, that's when I would sit there and be like, Oh my God, like all these things are going on in my head and it's all happening right now. Cause I've been pushing it off. I've been putting on this, like this act really. And so finally I, you know, I was just like, I, I had a meeting with my head coach who was also my defensive coordinator and I broke down to him and I was so worried that he would say, well, you can't play, you know, <laughs> like if, if, if this, if this is going on, you need to like get help immediately. You can't play. I don't want somebody that's, you know, mentally weak on my field. That was, that was an honest fear of mine. And honestly, what I expected him to say, but obviously that's not what happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, your coaches and your teammates are people right they have their own struggles they understand what it's like and so there i don't feel like there is the stigma that exists but it's crazy that it's crazy as an athlete to feel like if you're going through something your teammates are not going to be there for you or your coaches are not going to be there for you and that was the craziest thing to me is as soon as i got off my chest as soon as my coach you know responded well to it i started telling like very slowly my closer friends and every single one of them was supportive and receptive and really helped me through it. And for me, that was, 
a shock when really it shouldn't be. I feel like that's the biggest problem is it was shocking that that was yeah. what was going on. Yeah, totally. I would agree. And, and, and similar to piggyback off you and in, in the sense of, I had that fear too of like the day that I tell someone that again, I'm weak and I'm not good enough. But in all honesty, when you share with other people, I've had a handful of people who have said, Marty, thanks for, thanks for telling, thanks for that article. But also thanks for telling me about that because I struggle with the same thing. And if it wasn't yeah. for you, I wouldn't have gotten help. Like seeing you in your strength and your willingness to be able to share that, hey, I'm broken and I'm, I need help and I battle with this has caused me to look within myself and go, yeah, I've been forcing down these emotions and thoughts for so long. And it's, it's been unhealthy, but I've been doing it. And I'm glad that I didn't have to get to your point before – I unraveled. Um, yeah. So yeah, and, and, it, and this again, all for me is just perfect timing of Kevin Love's article talking about mental health awareness in the Players Tribune and reading that, and then having this mission strip and all those things. I don't think things happen for no reason, and and you having this platform now with Speak, I think truly is going to be really powerful for that young fifteen-year-old kid who's starting out high school football or that. 22-year-old athlete who runs track who's been in her head all day. I think this is something of a stigma that we each have the power to break, and I'm, and I'm so grateful that it's been put on your heart to start something like this. I appreciate that. So, yeah, that means a lot, Demarte. And, I mean, well, first of all, it w I wouldn't be anything without people who are willing to share, like you and Brooke and the people that I'm going to have on in the next couple weeks. Um, the last thing I want to talk about the last topic I want to cover really um, is both of us finally, you know, decided to get help. I went to therapy. You went to therapy. We both went to counseling. Um, for me, even after I'd admitted to myself that actually I didn't even admit to myself, what happened was months after junior years or the junior season had ended. So months after I'd, you know, revealed to myself that I was going through stuff and I talked to my friends about it. I still didn't do anything really concrete about it. I was like, oh, well, now everybody knows, fine. Um, but I still struggled into that spring semester um, just with, you know, confidence crisis, depression, anxiety. Um, and my roommate um, and one of my really – one of my best friends from school um, noticed that I was off one day and in more or less of a tough love kind of way was like, go to therapy. Like, what mm -hmm. are you doing? Like, why are you waiting? Um, and for me, that's all it took. Because it was like, I was still so worried about going to therapy for the same reasons. I don't want to go to therapy and I don't want help. Like, I can do this myself. I don't want people to think I'm a, I'm a loon, blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. And mm -hmm. then even like the first three or four um, meetings with my therapist, I felt the same way. Like, like, why am I here? Like, I'm strong. Like, I've been strong my whole life. Like, I yeah. shouldn't have to do this. Um, did you feel the same way? Did you feel differently? No, I, I think I, w I had the similar experience to you. I, I, I had recently got out of a relationship. Um, I, I, I was just so off myself and they, and I, and I went on the mission trip and I came back. I was riding the emotional high. I told everybody, I was like, all right, I'm good. And I had an off day and I, and I had a friend who was just like, dude, you're right. I was just like, this is the first time, like, because I had never gotten deep with him. I said, no, I'm not okay. He was like, you need to go talk to someone about it. Yeah. And I remember for like a week, 
I was just in my head. I was like, if, if someone on campus sees me walk into that counseling center, what will the school think about me? Which is the most childish thing ever. It You're is. Like, yeah. if, if one person sees me walking in to that room, what are they going to say about me? And, I, and it weighed on me for so much. And I walked in and I, and I finally did. And it was just like, what the heck is going on? Because when you go to therapy, as you know, they ask you these questions that are open-ended. And you're like, I don't know. It's weird. You don't know the guy. And you just, they start, uh-huh. you start opening up. You start getting vulnerable. And when you sit on that chair, you like, at the end of the session, you feel so free that you've finally been able to open up with someone. But the humbling part about it is the most is, you don't have to go see the therapist. You could have talked to your college roommate about what you're yeah. struggling with and you would feel even the same, if not better. Yeah, it, it's all about it's all about just getting it out there and being honest with yourself and with the people closest to you. Cause, and that was another thing that was really hard for me to understand was when I felt sad or when I felt anxious, I felt like it wasn't me. Like I wasn't being myself. So I didn't want to share that with anybody. When in actuality, if you're struggling, that's that's part of you. That's who you are. Yeah. And it's important to recognize that and not be afraid of that. Yeah. People struggle. Like it just happens. Nobody's yeah. perfect. Even the mentally toughest people in the world are going to feel bad about themselves or sad. And that's okay. Right. Yes. That is okay. Yeah. We are human beings. We, I think at the core of it, we forget that we are human beings with emotions, with feelings, with thoughts, with needs. Being an athlete, being whatever you are, does not discount you from having the need to be loved and to feel loved. Um, and, and when that void is there, I think all these lies and things come into our head and tell us we're not good at it, we're not worth it. And like you said, we need people to, to come around us and love on us. And like in those moments, we have friends that go, hey, PJ, you track together, go to counseling. And my friend it goes, dude, you're off. Go somewhere. You're not. You're not okay. You're. You're not okay. Go talk to someone and get help. And and through that, over time, like I said, it's not easy. That you don't get unwound no. overnight. No. It is learning how to be an athlete. Again, being agile and working on your emotions, working on your feelings, looking within yourself, with alongside other people who know you the deepest, and and working through those issues of finding that why. Why do I feel this way about myself? Yeah, and speaking and right. truth into that vulnerability. Yeah, and it's slow. It's slow. I still deal with it every day. It's still tough for me to, you know, admit to myself that I'm struggling sometimes. You know, mm-hmm. there, there, there are stressful periods of time. Like right now, I'm trying to find a job. I'm trying to figure out what's next after football. And I'll find myself just shut down some days. And I'll have to, you know, remind myself, like, hey, like, okay like deep breaths these things happen like this this who what's happening right now is not you it's not a defining characteristic of you you like like you you don't have to feel weak or worthless or etc like it's just you you know yeah totally i could echo that with work now just in the in industry i'm in and what i do i think it is often easy to beat up on yourself you miss that trade you don't get that that client and immediately I find myself going, what's wrong with me versus you're, you're not going to hit, you're not going to bat a perfect thousand. You're going to miss yeah. them. And that's okay. That doesn't dignify you as not as working hard. You also don't have to perform to this level so that people love you even more. It's, it's great to work hard. It's a naturally intrinsic thing to want to work hard and want to be great at something. 
but when it goes over the edge in which you value yourself only on your hard work is when it becomes unhealthy. And it's something, like you said, that never leaves. It's going to be an all-encompassing thing. It's going to be in your relationship with your spouse. It's going to be in your relationship with your kids, relationship with work. And, it, and honestly, as you get older, the best thing you can do is continue to share with older men about what you're dealing with. And I find myself sharing that with my partner at my firm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, so just to finish off, I want to open it up for you um, just to you know talk about any words of encouragement you have for somebody that's struggling out there that might be listening to this, that it's go- we're, is going through the same things that we were going through. Just anything you want to say to them, any words of encouragement? Yeah. I mean, to anyone who watches this video, um, you are so infinitely loved and cherished. You're not yeah. alone in this journey. Um, this, you're not the only person that has, has dealt with this. I was not the first. PJ was not the first. And you sure as heck won't be the last. There were people years before us and years to come. Um, depression and mental health is not a weakness. I actually think those who struggle with it are the strongest because they're able to look themselves in the mirror, know who they are, and ask for help. Um, so feel free again to reach out to me, to reach out to PJ. Um, I am an open book. I am a resource. Get counseling, get help, get whatever you need to be in your right mental headspace so that you can live and enjoy life to the fullest. Because as you can tell with what's going on right now with the virus, life is short and really enjoy every moment you really have with it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, brother. Thank you so much for coming on, man. I'm, it, you are contributing so much to this cause, and that was incredible, all the things you had to say. Now I'm grateful to be here. Awesome. Great. Thank you. Love you, brother. Love you too. Talk to you soon. Okay. Um, I mean, that was incredible for me. Um, and it, it just goes to show and goes kind of into my what I'm doing here, that that was incredibly cathartic for me just to talk about that because i haven't talking about that stuff for a while um yeah i don't know i think a lot of people can benefit from everything that was said today um i I at least hope so i know i did um if you're struggling with this please 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 talk to somebody about it you have friends, you are loved. I'm just echoing what DeMarte said because um, he did about as good of a job as anybody can. Um, that was episode two. Thank you again to DeMarte. Just amazing, amazing stuff. Um, if you want to contribute to the podcast, if you know somebody that wants to contribute to the podcast or wants to be on it, please have them contact me. They can Instagram DM me. They can text me. Um they can email me. My email is pjlabarbera11 at gmail.com. Um, that was episode two. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope to see you again next week. Signing off.